It's time to talk music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hatton Audio Podcast. So, to kick off 2024, Royal Republic has released a brand new song called My House. And it's not what I expected from, from Royal Republic at all, because... Um, they've done songs such as Tommy Gun, and they've got like a very stripped back, like raw sort of sound. Um, very like, uh, I wouldn't say that they, they, they sort of work with really simple songs, but I think that they, they thrive doing really simple hooks that are very like funny as well. I, I think that they are like a like a proper rock band, like leaning into the rock and roll part of rock band. Like that's where they tend to live, in my opinion, from what I've heard. Um, and this is them being very, very creative with like pastiching, like a sound set and sort of, I mean, just the guitar tone on this track, My House, is so specific, you know. I know a lot of people would listen and be like, well, it's just a distorted guitar, but it's not. It's like it's like a rat-driven one or like a stacked Marshall. It's, it's like a very, very much Motley Crue-esque sort of guitar sound and a very 80s metal guitar sound which is a different sort of sound to what they normally do from what i remember yeah yeah and also because they've put like um a sort of disco drumby and um sort of rhythm section in here particularly on the verses it is sort of like whiplash because you're going oh this sounds very like uh you know eye of the tiger very like uh just like 80s rock um montage music at the start and then it goes straight into almost like donna summer i feel love sort of like arpeggio bass and and keyboards um with a disco beat so it's very funny in that way yeah because they've they've sort of pastiched a lot of different eras and elements at the same time because there's sort of this early sort of 2000s indie stroke rock sort of um verse part and then you've got all the guitar harmonizing and like the super chuggy rap style riff for the chorus. So it's like, there's a lot going on in this song and that's why I think it's so fun and creative. I think there's so much going on in the song. You don't realize, like it took me about five times to listen to it until I realized that the, the chorus is just my, 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 my house. That's it. That's the only words. <laughs> and there's so, particularly if you watch it with the video, um, as well, the video really accentuates like the silliness of the song itself, and they've really um, they've really played in to to the unsuspecting hands of having like a a really serious start to the video, and then as the video goes along, it gets more and more like silly, and they're poking fun at loads of different aspects of like um, these types of music videos. Yeah, they are also a very good video band as well. I know some bands struggle to uh, make like videos that are compelling or or funny or whatever it is but royal republic really do knock it out the park with a lot of their videos very entertaining like i think my favorite bit of the video is when they're doing like the guitar solo moment of the song um which really it isn't a guitar solo it's more like the build-up to a guitar solo it's like an anti-solo almost isn't yeah it? yeah uh, and the entire time all this guitar stuff's going on in like the sides of the mix um, it's just slowly panning in at the drummer and it's yeah. just sort of completely ignoring what everybody else is doing. 
um, which which really when you don't really think about it until you start thinking, well, aren't we meant to be seeing the guitarist? Yeah. And it's just slowly getting closer and closer to the drummer. And then that's followed up by like a, a rap, which I did not see coming at all. No, when at first listen, you're like, whoa, what is that? And on the video, they've, they've gone to that like um, camcorded sort of like garage rap thing where they're all sort of like posing um in uh, next to a car basically and they've all changed their outfits to to go into those like uh 80s hip-hop or 90s hip-hop sort of rap it is very much a um retro influenced rap it's not it's not like a modern rap at all is it i think that's why again they must have had some very very specific things in mind when they made this song because it it evokes all sorts of different genres and eras like all at the same time and He's also using like three different voices on this track, which is really interesting. Um, he's doing what he would normally do on songs like Tommy Gun and stuff, which is the Mama My House, sort of like the hook line of the song and a lot of the verses. But obviously the rap is in a very different delivery. And then yeah. he's got like this, uh, like proper a smoother singing, singing style. Because yeah, like yeah. he goes for quite a, a full on rock sort of, um, you can really hear his, his like vocal chords like going for his main sort of singing style, but he's gone for a lot subtler singing style on certain parts of the song. I think to try and lean into that smoother 80s tone that you hear on a lot of like the AOR bands, which is really interesting because some people are really, really good at picking up on these subtleties like when they're singing. You know, I think just to sing in that hard rock style like he often does takes a lot of like thinking power because you know a lot of people would just sing in their own voice or, or you know not saying that it isn't his voice but you know he's pushing his voice for his main vocal delivery style yeah and that and that does a lot because they, they always say don't they about rock vocalists it's a very different beast to sing in like in any other genre because they have to put a lot more oomph behind the voice to give it that grit that works with a lot of rock tracks. And that's what you don't think about, I think, a lot of the time. When you're just a listener, you just think, wow, I can't believe that's how his voice sounds. But they have to put a lot of oomph in yeah, to, a lot of to actually deliver those lines in that way, even when they're really, really simple, like uh, in the way that Royal Republic deliver um, some of their, their hook lines. But yeah, the 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 contrast of his voice is like, particularly when you're watching the video, you're like, is that that's the same guy? Yeah, because you'd almost think when you listen to the song that it's a different vocalist just chiming in for that one line. But um, yeah, combined with the guitar harmonies underneath it, it, it's just very, very interesting. And I, I think to kick off the year with a lot of like genre mashing and not from a band that really is used to genre mashing, I don't think I've ever seen Royal Republic go out what I, what I would define their comfort zone is. So to hear him rapping and then doing like guitar harmonies and the bombastic eights thing is a real surprise. And I'd be very interested to see if other bands was doing things in this sort of nature. Um, because we haven't really had much of a stylistic change, um, or, or like new genre creation or whatever in 2023, where we normally get them in, in a decade. I do agree with that. Like there wasn't, I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some, trends that have come out in 2023 especially in like the pop rock sort of standpoint like I, I do think like you cannot deny like what Olivia Rodrigo has done in terms of shifting a sort of 
a narrative in terms of what pop rock music is. But I think when it comes to bands and um, more established acts, you know, like following, following a, a actual trend, when you think, I mean, it's so easy to look at EDM to see how many people started using like um, Massive in like rock tracks and started to use the uh, the arrangement and the um, sort of reverse yeah the drops and and the builds and all that with edm like it infiltrated practically every genre and we haven't really seen to to my recollection as you were saying anything like that in 2023 nothing that has sort of changed the the average rules and that have re-established like what it means to write a song do you know what i mean yeah there definitely seems to be like you say with with people like Olivia Rodrigo, like a, a Y two K comeback where the fashion is very much like two, early two thousands and and like even borrowing from a lot of different sort of elements of pop punk, elements of singer songwriting and and stuff in the early two thousands, but also all the visuals that that come along with that. Yeah, um, I mean, I do think like pop punk has um sort of had a big resurgence i do think that is a thing but i again that isn't that isn't new like having established acts and and up and coming acts really leaning into that pop punk sound some of the bands felt like it was a lot more natural for them to lean into that sound yeah in the first place whereas you know this is a band royal republic's a band that could lean into doing more pop punk effortlessly because they're very adjacent to that genre i mean it, it depends i suppose on what your preference is you may even call them I'm not, i mean i'm not sure you'd actually call them pop punk but they're they're in that like hard rock possibly if you was that way inclined you could call them punk rock but it that's do you not think an attitude they, thing they're more in the angrier side of the rock revival sort of territory yeah i do i do think that i mean what what has drawn me with Royal Republic whenever I've listened to them and I'm you know I haven't listened to every song by them so that you know I don't want it to be as generalizing them to people who who love them thinking oh, well 100%. we're so wrong but we've we've listened you know like to songs like Baby and Tommy Gun and and heard like songs in passing quite often so they've been on our radar so when we saw My House it was like the the cover of Spotify's rock playlist and it was just like, whoa, we, we know Royal Republic. Like that's that's somebody like we've we've heard of and we've, you know, enjoyed some of their tracks before. It was like a, a big like, oh, that's interesting. What are they doing? And I was very surprised to see them leaning into the eighties thing because that trend, you keep thinking that you've seen the last of that eighties trend. Oh the, yeah, because the eighties revival or, or sort of like eighties infused nostalgia has sort of been going on for a good 10 12 years now yeah and I, I love it i yeah. think it's fantastic but i mean i do think that it has a massive success rate and at this point 80s is less of a throwback and it's become more of a genre it's like well we're going to use the synths we're going to do the guitars it's like montage music and that's what i'd call my house as well in a way i mean the video evokes that as well in an amazing way yeah it is very much montage almost maybe workout montage music if, for, for rock fans. Because, you know, not everybody wants to listen to, like, 128, 129, dance and house music when yeah, they're working could, at the gym. you could work out to Tommy Gun or Baby, couldn't you? You could just have that, and you could be, like, running on a treadmill. It's that sort yeah, of tempo. Yeah, because it's, it's fast. Yeah, it's fast, and, and it can, like, pump you up slightly. So I think, you know, that's 
And definitely with my house, like that, that's Royal Republic, like doing what they do. My house feels like that, but mixed with that 80s cinematic montage. That's how I feel about it. So, Royal Republic genre-wise, according to the most trusted source on the internet, Wikipedia, <laughs> um, is defined as garage rock, alternative rock, rock and roll, and hard rock. Yeah, so this is sort of what we were saying about them being in like that rock revival, sort of rock and roll sort but of the, thing. But the edge of the rock revival, but, like that hard air more rootsy edge that's what you were saying described them as garage rock earlier on and then i thought well i, th- I wouldn't say the garage rock but i suppose they're, they're being called garage rock according to wikipedia they're very well produced for garage rock <laughs> yeah well that's what that's what i was thinking because they've got that rough around the edges sound that you know like uh like you say you've got that that quick scratchy sort of guitar yeah and um yeah you know, just driving drums and you can imagine, you can imagine seeing Royal Republic in a club with like 50 people and them just owning it because everybody's having a great time. Yeah. Because of that type of band where they'd just be screaming directly in your face. You're like in the front row. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's slightly evocative of what like the hives do in a way. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. In, in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, signed to Universal though. Did you, did you know that? Was that from the off? Uh, no, oh, I think they've just been on a bunch of different labels. Yeah. Um, so that's probably why they appeared on as the face of Are you of saying that they've, they've just been signed to Universal? No, no, well, I would have to double-check that. Yeah, we fairness. might get into to fact-checking um, territory, which I don't know if we actually want to go there, but that would be interesting if they've climbed up and, and They up. started on Roadrunner in 2010. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then they've moved to Odyssey Music, Capital, and now Nuclear Blast, which I'm assuming is uh a di- yeah a subsidiary of subsidiary oh no yeah. they just oh no i think they're just um they're, actually let me just read this right german record label um and it's like a punk label that they're on at the moment for the is that omn label services no, it's no, too complicated now. With no, these I know. Well, I, I didn't know whether this was a label that then distributed through Universal or whatever, because there's a lot of like sticker labels, and then there's labels yeah. that, like, say, Muse is a bandit. They do their stuff and then just give it to a major label. Yeah. So it, it's one well, of that, those. Things. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say like the label side of it. It affects maybe the marketing. Uh, well, it does. We know it affects the marketing and the the possible placements, but it really seems to have not a lot to do with the overall sound of the record anymore. Like I feel like some of the best produced albums you hear can be completely independent. Sometimes being on a label might be a detractor because it, it adds like a, um, a time element, you like a deadline that a lot of independent artists, they, they don't give themselves deadlines. And sometimes that's a bad thing if they don't ever release any music, but sometimes it's a good thing because you know, where, a band like U2 in the 90s would have had to go, look, guys, it doesn't matter whether it's finished or not, it's coming out, like, on pop. It's more like, in an independent scenario, they could be like, no, let's let's take an extra year and finish this. So I think that is the big benefit for the indie labels. Yeah. I also think it goes both ways, because I think sometimes um, major labels will stifle the creativity of a lot of bands. Yeah. And you hear a lot of people trying to make an album, and they're just forbidden it's forbidden fruit for the label for that artist to make an album i think particularly like female solo artists like they're they're the ones where they just i don't know why they just hold them to ransom that's why you've seen so many 
people so leave their, stuff, yeah. their labels over like disagreements and have, yeah, like you say, scandals because they just don't seem to treat them in a manner that you would expect. I mean, you've signed them to a label and they want to put an album out. I don't, I don't see the problem with that. Do you? No, no. I don't know I, I don't if it's it. a label mindset where they think, well, we can't just let them put an album out. They haven't had a air quotes hit. Well, I mean, what was it like? Bonnie Tyler didn't have an, a hit till like a 14th album or something insane. Might not have been 14th. Maybe it was 8th. But like back in the day, people used to, you know, have albums and albums. I mean, this is still a thing that happens when you look at people like Portugal the Man and Robin Thicke and... Oh yeah, other yeah, people. Yeah. You know, it's not like unheard of for people to release like a bunch of albums and then have a massive blowout hit record. That's not unheard of, even in present day. But I think, you know, a lot of people think that it's horrible if people don't release an album and have an instant smash. I mean, now they really they want the um, smash to be out before the album even comes out. Now, don't they? Yeah, and you do hear like rumors of of people being ransomed by pre-releases that they need so many pre-release signups before they can um, even release the single. Um, Which is still crazy to me because how can you sign up? I, I, I mean, it's nothing to do with a song at that point. As a fan, how can you sign up to hear a song that you haven't heard and say, well, I want to do that. It's like, well, you haven't heard the song yet, particularly if it's by an artist you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, why would you sign up as far as fans are concerned? But, you know, those are just like rumours and things you hear on the internet or from bands or from interviews. But speaking of interviews, did you see what uh, Liam Gallagher has said recently? Is this the thing where he was like, nobody wants to be in a band because they're all selfish? Yeah, he said, nobody wants to be in a band anymore. But I think sometimes I know why they say these sort of things, because they're, they're, they're saying they're trying to get like a rise out of like the music critics, the music press, but also trying to get in the paper. But also, once again, you're talking about a band like Royal Republic, right? It's a band doing rock, signed to a major label, right? But nobody seems nobody seems to give them the oomph, particularly when we're talking about UK like radio and stuff. Well, I think, in my opinion, the UK radio doesn't like playing, you know. I mean, it does play a lot of diverse music from around the world, but it does feel like that, you know, there's so much good rock music in Sweden. It's hard to ignore. It's hard not to single out Sweden for it because, God, they just put out these amazing bands and they come out of nowhere and they're all amazing. And then, you know, they're never, I've never heard one of them anywhere on any UK radio station. Yeah, they're just sort of ignored. In in um, you could almost say from the UK press. I mean, you you yeah. occasionally see uh, the bands like that uh, at Download. That tends oh, yeah. to be the main appearance you'll see from most of the rock bands. And then obviously, like a lot of the UK papers or whatever, the radio stations, the publicity people, they'll they'll ham up Download for like a few days, and then then that that'll be done. That's rock's final moment yeah, well, for the year. What I feel like with downloads, I feel like people are like, oh, download the rock festival. And then you're like, well, who's on? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah, it just <laughs> feels like um, they're, they're very much, they're largely ignored by the, the most popular radio stations. Like by mainstream media, I feel like. like. Whereas when they talk about Glastonbury, you know, it's like, oh, this person's headlining Glastonbury and this person's headlining this stage and that stage and... You know, download There's seven like, thousand acts on at Glastonbury. Can you find them? That's the real yeah. problem. When I looked at the bill, one of the last years, yeah, it can get a lot. It can get a lot. 
But yeah, download feels very much ignored a lot of the time in, in the press and in like the general sort of stuff. Obviously, there's a massive fan base around download. Um, well, it, stand, it stood the test of time for a reason, and that's because people, people like that style of music and people like that festival. Yeah, and... Um, it, I do feel like there's a lot of bands like Royal Republic that are all, that you know, big when it comes to download, but they don't seem to get much publicity or anything from from the, the stuff. That's just my opinion for what I see listening to, like uh, Radio 1 and occasional commercial other other radio stations like uh, Capital and stuff. I mean, obviously, that's not their wheelhouse, but obviously it's, Radio 1 does champion a lot of rock, rock music in quotation marks. Well, they do, and I suppose when you say it's not their wheelhouse, you're sort of right, because... These are counterculture genres, really. Like, when we get into the the history of it, you know, I don't expect to hear, particularly when it's it's not a, like a crossover hit, I don't expect to hear these songs on commercial radio, but I think it would be nice for them to get some reput- representation because I feel like there, there's just so much of it. Like, if there was one or two, fair enough. But, I mean, maybe... The Hives is the only band I can think of that have actually had crossover mainstream success. Yeah, um, I didn't hear Burgers Operandi on uh, on the radio though. No, I didn't hear that <laughs> on the radio. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting, um, but I'm looking forward to hearing more of what Royal Republic are up to with this album because. Like I say, Royal Republic's been on my radar, but they've very much flown under it in like me being one hundred percent invested. And yeah, you've like I liked occasional songs here and there, and you've you've been like digging it, but you've never gone out and sat there and listened to the full album like where, you might normally. Whereas I feel like my house is the single where I'm like, right, I want to hear this full album. I'd be very curious to see if my house was like that shock factor single, and then the rest of the album sounds like normal Royal Republic because we've we've noticed a trend. Where, where the first single is like really out there and then yeah. the rest is like, oh, well, this is exactly what you expect, which is kind of nice if you're a fan expecting a certain thing from a band. It is, but then what often happens is all the fans go, boo, <laughs> when they put out the first single and then say the album's going to be rubbish and then the album comes out like, oh, no, the album's pretty good. It's like, yeah, but they did that deliberately to get a reaction from everybody. I mean, I, th- I always think the 1975 and people for that as a technique, I mean, that... That was such a overplay of the hand, you yeah, know. I mean, it had like a, a guttural reaction from a lot of people, didn't it? It was like, like no, the, they can't do this. It was like the opposite of what a lot of their hardcore audience really wanted. Um, but what did it do at the time? It had a massive reaction to people who hated them. People who hated them were like, "Wow, that 1975 band's actually good." I didn't think they were good, but now I've heard this, they're good. And then you're like, "Well, now you've fallen for the trap." Because now you kind of like them because of one song that they've done deliberately to to get you, essentially. So I think it, it is an interesting technique when it comes to marketing an album. But I do think that it has a high risk, high reward factor, especially like going to see them live, them opening with people and absolutely terrifying a portion of their core audience. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, you had uh, some of the audience there who would, got there specifically to see that song and then it's like right sit through your 80s pop rock jams for the rest of the night yeah it can be slightly jarring in that sense but you know i mean i think if you are really open-minded it can be really refreshing because i think one thing that i do really like about the 1975 and bands like them that that experiment is that you can 
if if you're really into your music and like your your highbrow music, you can actually sit there and listen to them. You can get a lot out of it. Whereas maybe your average music fan would be like, I don't get why they're doing this to me. <laughs> yeah, I also find like from from a fan perspective, me personally, it, it often only takes one song to break me as a fan of the band if i like one song i'll tend to start to like songs that i previously didn't like by that band yeah even if i'd made an informed opinion or sometimes an uninformed opinion on a band from first impressions i find a lot of the time bands are given an awful first impression to me and i go i don't like that band and if I would have heard different songs on the album, I probably would have liked them from the start. But instead, the whoever picks singles for most bands always picks the worst song for me personally. Yeah. And then I go, right, well, I won't listen to that band because I'm not a big fan of that song I've heard on TV or the radio or Spotify even. And then there's gems that I would like hidden around. And the thing is, is when I hear that song that I like... Then I, I listen to the rest of the album and I go, well, actually, it's not that bad. And and now that I like the band a little bit more, it, a lot of the time it is about likability. If you start to like a band or solo artist, you go, well, what else are they doing? Or, or you know, and you start to, to, to move around. If you're somebody who delves into discographies or somebody who buys physical CDs. I think as well, it's another thing of you can make up a lot in your head and you can have a preconceived notion of what a act is. And then if you have a song break that preconceived notion, it's almost like taking the blinkers off and you say, okay, well, I'm going to start listening to this and I'm going to have a, I'm going to have no opinion. I'm just going to listen to it. I'm going to let the music tell me what I actually think. And I think a lot of the time, as you said, when you start listening to non-singles by bands, you can realize that, oh, they're being pushed as a thing that maybe they're not. And if you listen to the, you know, the non-single tracks, you're like, whoa, actually, I really like this. And a lot of people can have the opposite effect as well. They can, they can, you know, like the singles, go listen to the non-single tracks and go, oh no, this isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't my, my new favorite band. But, you know, I feel like it's rare that, that the singles and the album tracks all sound the same. Like a lot of the time there's a big disparity between singles and album tracks, even in this day and age where the artist and label can try their hardest to say, look, this is the single. And then the album comes out and they say, no, it's not. Cause that's sort of what happened to Taylor Swift with cruel summer is that for some reason that's been picked over so many of her other songs as like the song. And I don't even think it was a single on lover. It wasn't, but I think, she's sort of leaned into that fan interaction uh, and fanfare for that song. So she is sort of like, you know, by playing it live and nodding towards people liking that song and having she's it acknowledged the most, it most streamed song. They, they've sort of like reverse engineered that into a single. But that's exactly it though. It wasn't their decision. You know, it's like when some songs gain traction or go viral and they have to like re-pivot their entire campaign around it, you know, that's something that I suppose was a lot, lot rarer before the days of the internet and especially before the days of streaming. I mean, we keep saying that the charts are just broken now, don't we, really? Yeah, I think the problem you have at the moment is if you have a TikTok trend, for example, right, there's two songs that come to mind at the moment and they're not new songs. Obviously, Shinedown Sound of Madness has just gone off on one on TikTok for some reason 
and that 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 album's doing good numbers in the charts and stuff for for some reason I don't know the TikTok that it's referring to, but um, from what the band has said on social media, I can see that 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 song's clearly doing well. So now Shine Down obviously are doubling down on talking about the sound of madness and yeah, talking about obviously the, them being in the charts and, and it's coming up to an anniversary of that album as well. So no doubt they're going to really lean into that. Yeah, and then another song that comes to mind is Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis Bexter that apparently she'd never charted in America. According to Billboard, she's first first entry in the Hot 100 was last week. She which, didn't chat on any of her songs, didn't she? In America, none. That's crazy. So that that is is crazy to think of, but that's because of a movie sync deal. But if we wasn't using streaming as a primary source, how many people would go by? Now, obviously, we've we've seen this in in like with like Bohemian Rhapsody. And yeah, Wade's it is work. a thing. If you use it in a movie, people will go out and buy the CD in the nineties. That's why. Um, that's why Bohemian Rhapsody was a Christmas number one twice. Yeah, yeah, it's because yeah. of Wayne's World. But uh, so, so with this, I, I, I forget what the movie's called. But obviously, that's great for her, and it's a great song. Obviously, everybody in the UK knows it really well. But I'm very surprised that it I never thought it was a crossover hit. I didn't. I never, with it being the hit in the UK, I never really thought about America or global. But I suppose when you think about her brand and her her voice and accent it's very singing, uk it is yeah. very english but they love that UK. in america well they do it's very yeah i suppose it's it's what americans would think of very posh yeah sounding queen's english almost um but yeah it, it's just interesting but the charts and and obviously we've seen full albums chart or we've seen one artist dominate the entire top 10 yeah which obviously when we're talking about buying physical cds uh, a lot of people you you can't print ten singles to sell. You know, like it, it, oh, you can't. Yeah, 90s, you can't distribute you can't like every song as an individual single. Yeah, not, I don't think anybody actually did, to my knowledge. Not at the same time. Obviously, you had bands like Def Leppard on Hysteria. They had seven different singles in like vinyl form, but yeah. they rolled out over a few years. And obviously, you wouldn't be able to have all of them outsell every single artist. But obviously, with streaming, you only have to be the most streamed artist in the world, and then suddenly if your listeners are streaming every song on an album, all of those songs creep up the top thoughts. And like half of the top 100 are you. Yeah. And yeah. that's why Royal, uh, not Royal Republic, Republic, Republic records um, had, I think 90 over 90% of the top 40 or top 10 yeah. at one point. And that, that's just crazy. Like one label can dominate, but yeah, that that's just a little bit on the charts. Also the, the intro My House by Royal Republic is really cool. It's like a 25 second, like 80s, like nostalgic intro to warm you in. So if you check out My House, definitely check out the intro as well, because it's it's really cool when um, bands do these little ear candy pieces of music. I didn't you know. realise it was a separate track on Spotify. Yeah, no, it's a separate track. And I don't know if it's actually even eligible for royalties because it's 25 seconds. I can't remember what... <laughs> it's 30 seconds or more. Yeah, so. so... Yeah. There's no reason for a band to actually put that on Spotify. That's for the love, isn't it? That's, that's for the for love. The, the fun of doing it, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been our thoughts on Royal Republic's My House. Um, listen to the track. We love it. It's a great song. And it's really good. Check out the video because the video is as hilarious as it is cool. So um, yeah, uh, 
we'll put down in the Q&As if you've watched it yet. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, and we will see you next week.